This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Is the Dan Grosser Show. So Joe Namath is the greatest Jet of all time. So then he comes out and he makes those comments on Monday about the current state of affairs. What if somehow, someway, the Jets as a locker room rally around those comments and use those comments as fuel to prove the naysayers wrong? And in this case, the naysayer being the greatest Jet of all time. All I'm saying is turning around this season from how it's looked the last couple of weeks to where you get to December and you're in the playoff conversation and maybe you're winning some games people don't think you're going to win starting with Sunday. And then you find out down the road that, you know what? It was those comments that lit a fire underneath them. Then we'd be sitting here saying, Joe, this is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Final hour of the show on a busy Thursday. Dan Grosser Show, as a matter of fact. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Giants will be back in action on Monday. It feels like they haven't played in about a year since we last saw them on that field a week ago tonight in Santa Clara, where our next guest took in that game with a bird's eye view. And now he's getting reacclimated to life back home on the East Coast after spending a week out west where he was playing golf and he was, you know, climbing mountains and doing all those things that the tourists like to do. It's our good pal Jordan Renan. Hi, Jordan. How are you? You want to hear this amazing observation being sure. back home? The weather here on the East Coast <laughs> compared to the West Coast, it sucks. It does. It's terrible. Hey, really. I mean, six more, like, in, six you know, more inches of rain no coming tomorrow. Contact. Yeah. Six more inches. I mean, it was beautiful in San Francisco. I mean, absolutely beautiful. It was 100 degrees in Arizona, but still, I'll take that over, uh, you know, a, a deluge every day here. Yeah, I would take that. It's London. It's Seattle. That's what we've kind of morphed into a little bit, where it's gloomy and gray and kind of like the football teams in this town, at least for the first three Oof. weeks of the season. So it's it's kind of fitting. Yeah. Um, all right, Giants back at it today, which is good to see. Now, I know that they have a list of the walking wounded that we didn't see in that game against San Francisco, starting with the franchise running back. Limited participation. Is he trending in the right direction for Monday night? I think he's trending in the right direction. I still think he's more on the long shot stage, though. I mean, he didn't look like he was, you know, making complete cuts. Or You know, we see a very limited portion of practice, as you're well aware, you know, how these things sure. work. Uh, but, you know, he did get something in, which is good news. I think that gives him a chance. But remember, the original timeline was three games. And we've seen this before with Saquon about, you know, being a fast healer, coming back. And you know what? It really hasn't worked out because when he comes back and he's come back from these injuries, he hasn't been able to play at the level he's wanted to. You've got a shell of Saquon Barkley. And in retrospect, he's basically been like, you know what? Maybe I came back too early. So I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not about to fall for the uh, banana in the tailpipe again. It just seems to me like this week is probably a little too much to ask to get like a, a full Saquon Barkley out there. so, But there's a chance. We still have two members of Monday night game, so it's an extra day. Still two more full days of practice, but uh, let's see where it goes. How about Andrew Thomas? Are they maybe a little bit more optimistic about him? Yes. I asked, spoke to Andrew Thomas the other day, and I asked what he thought his prospects playing this week were, and he said, good. Uh, now, he has an injury that – for a skill position player, would have been out four to five weeks. But when you're an offensive lineman, uh, you don't have to explode and cut the same way 
a you know skill position player does. So I, I think they're pretty optimistic that he's back. Ben Bredesen hasn't officially cleared the concussion protocol, but he's trending towards that. I think he needs one more practice maybe tomorrow. Uh, so the left side of their line will be back. And I don't, you should just, just for a good laugh, mm-hmm. go look on Twitter what the Seahawks injury report looks like. I, I, the Giants Jordan, look like they're I healthy, just man. said that. Holy cow. Yeah, I just said that before you got on the air. I was telling the producers because I pulled up the Giant injury report, and I said, my God, the Seahawks, it's like a laundry list. It's like half the roster. It's crazy. I actually bumped into somebody from the Seahawks recently, and something he told me, he's like, this was like last week, and he was like, man, we might, you know, we're so shorthanded, we might be playing, like, cornerbacks at safety. Like, they were they were really short on guys. And, uh, I mean, they, have, they must have had, like, eight guys, I think it said, did not practice today. And some key players, including, by the way, E.K. Metcalf, who's on there with a rib injury. So, yeah. And Quandry Diggs, who's an excellent player. And mm-hmm. they'd be like, they've got some major injury problems coming on the road. Is it a team that isn't very good defensively in the first place so far in the first three games? Nope. So, I actually think, I was telling Harvey, your producer, who's a big Giants fan, of course. Like, I think that... As we move forward here, like they played two of the three teams they played were really good teams, like probably, you know, in that upper, upper echelon of the NFC teams. We're going to see now things start to even out as the, and I look, they got some tough games, but they're not playing the Cowboys and the Niners defense anytime soon. No, they're just playing next week. The Dolphins offense that put up 70 last week. <laughs> That's a different story. But they should be able to do something offensively against the Dolphins defense. And while the Bills' defense is good, it's not the same dominant unit up front that the Giants. Those are the teams the Giants can't handle, which is kind of a bad combination because that's what the Cowboys and the Eagles do well, right? They're super good up front, and then it exploits the Giants' offensive line. So those teams, yeah, like when they play the Jets, that's going to be a troubling matchup for the Giants. But in the meantime, the next few weeks, I think we're going to see things sort of start to settle and uh, see the Giants offense and the Daniel Jones that everybody kind of wanted to envision for this season. Well, let's hope both of these teams are going to be able to uh, get back to even uh, footing before they lock horns on October the 29th. We still got a long ways to go uh, before we get to that one. So in in, in a perfect world, let me ask it this way. Despite the injuries to the left side of the offensive line, we saw that that was the unit Mm -hmm. that they rolled with, at least in the beginning of that Arizona game. Thomas, Bredesen, Schmitz, McKeffin and Neal, that's going to mm-hmm. be the five moving forward with this offensive line, correct, in a perfect world? That is the five that's going to be moving forward. I mean, Brian Dable, who doesn't say anything about lineups usually, actually said that this week. I was surprised. I mean, I asked him, like, wait, you mean you're, you're committing to McKeithen at that right guard spot? And he said, yeah. So, like, yeah, that is the, the, the five that they're hoping to roll forward with here at least for the near future. We'll see where that goes. Uh, you know, obviously the performance on Monday night is going to play a large part. But I, I do think come Monday night, that's the unit you're going to see out there. Jordan Renan joining us here in his weekly spot on 98.7 ESPN, Dan Gross' show. Um, has Brian Dayball talked much, addressed the problem with these slow starts? Now, you could talk about the opponents they were playing. I mean, yeah. Arizona doesn't fit into that category. But, Jordan, 63-6, to they've been outscored in the first half of these games this year. Yeah, uh, you know, they keep saying execution, execution, execution. I also think when you look at it, I mean, Andy Reid, and look, I was in Philadelphia for years, 
Like he was just known that like some of the coaching staff also needs to do a better job. Andy Reed, like that was always his thing. Like he's great coming out the opening drive. He scripts it. And, you know, Andy Reed's offense is always amazing early in games. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his, his thing was for years was he doesn't know how to make halftime adjustments. I think he kind of figured that out over the years, it seems like. Uh, but yeah, so, the, you know, it's more than just execution to me. It's also, okay, they need to come in with a game plan that we, that, can actually work right like wh- how can they disguise the deficiencies or hide the deficiencies that they do have on offense and they do have like in certain areas because we have to be honest they do they are not that strong up front they're going to have to find ways to work around it and uh that's on the coaching staff as well so i think those are the, the two things just overall execution and uh you know game planning just a little bit better coming into the game the Giants have been great under Dable in the second half, and that kind of speaks well to the halftime adjustments. But I think they kind of need to come in with something that's going to work immediately. I'll tell you, the best thing that the Giants have going for them right now could be what's happening over with the Jets because it's kind of deflected a lot of attention away from some of the problems the Giants have gotten off to the first three weeks of the season, and including the quarterback. I know that he played really well the second half of that Arizona game, but other than that, I mean, against San Francisco, who, it, look, they're a really good team, Giants had injuries, but Giants only put up mm-hmm. 150 yards against the Niners. That was less than they've had against the Cowboys when they lost 40 to nothing. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. he didn't play particularly well in that game, and to me, the most – discouraging thing that I saw not that I think this is a long-term thing him and Darren Waller weren't on the same page in that game there were some opportunities for those two to hook up and make plays and for whatever reason it just didn't happen like we could sit here and nitpick and say I mean Waller definitely dropped one but uh you know he could have maybe caught a couple others but clearly Jones could have also thrown better balls on a bunch of those right and it was really just a combination with the two it just didn't click and I don't think that's something I expect moving forward. I do think that those two are going to do some serious damage. But uh, to me, that has to get right and get right right away. Otherwise, the team is in major, major trouble. The play of the defense um, has left a lot to be desired, putting it mildly. Um, it's been very yeah. disappointing. Do they think that the answers are in that room? Is it the fact that they're still trying to incorporate a couple of new pieces here and there in some spots? If you could put your finger on one thing right now, what do you think has been ailing that unit? I think you have to start with the pass rush. I mean, I, I, when I spoke to Chris Canty the other day on the podcast. What pass rush? Stuff, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it, and this is, it, this is on Kayvon Thibodeau because, they need him so badly, right? Like, they can't afford, especially with Aziz Ojolari out, for him to be a non-factor, which he has been for a large majority of the early portion of the season. I mean, three total pressures, uh, you know, they have a lot invested in him, and they need him to be that kind of player. Uh, but really, it's, it's not just him. Like, the guys that they expect to be their significant players, right? It's him, Leonard Williams, Xavier McKinney, Bobby Okereke, I don't think any of those guys, like Thibodeau, like any of those guys have played up to the level or standard that the Giants expect or even they expect. So if those guys aren't going to play to that level, this defense will be in trouble. They need those guys to really step up their game uh, starting this week against a really what's a pretty darn good 
Seattle offense. Like you can exploit their defense, but this is a pretty good offense, and you have to play uh, a big game. And the way to do that is to stop the run, which a they have not been able to do, mm-hmm. and which is disappointing because they spent the offseason trying to to fix that. And b pressuring Geno Smith because that's when you can get him to make mistakes. So uh, they need to happen immediately because look, Dan, you know it, I know it. They lose this game. This season is, you know, on life support, and they're in big trouble. They're staring one impossible one and five directly in the face. I it's a huge game because look, you can already you know that they're not in the same class as Dallas and Philadelphia, so you can forget about winning the division. Their path to the playoffs is yeah. a wild card, and and you know what, Seattle can make the same claim because San Francisco's win in the West, so Seattle's only hope mm-hmm. is a wild card. This is a huge game when you're talking about possible tiebreaker scenarios down the road at the end of the season. They got to get this one. Yeah, and in addition, I mean, the next two weeks are at Miami, at Buffalo, which is a Sunday nighter. So good luck. You know, if you're not winning this game, I mean, best case scenario is two and four, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, best case, that's giving them a split of the next two. I mean, I really give them no chance to win in Buffalo on a Sunday night. So, you know, these, these next two weeks are, are really, really gigantic for this team. And, you know, we, we, you were talking about the defense and, you know, trying to stack up against Seattle's offense. But on the flip side, this is a chance for the offense to maybe get healthy a little bit because Seattle's defense stinks. They really do. Yeah. Like, they should be able to pick this defense apart a little bit tonight. Or, I mean, on Monday night. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, uh, that is what they're looking you have to look at. If they're looking at the film and saying, we got to do our damage against this defense, especially with how beat up they are on the back end. Our, here's our opportunity to hit the big plays that we kind of, you know, built our team to be able to do this offseason. So, you know, Jalen Hyatt, I expect to be involved more, though I said that last week and, and we were disappointed. Uh, Darren Waller making plays downfield. Uh, even getting, I think we're going to see more Wandale Robinson since Paris Campbell has kind of been invisible early this season. So, you know, as he comes back, his second game from injury, uh, I think we'll, we'll see more from him. On the flip side, how about how about uh, Jamal Adams coming back for this one? Mm-hmm. You know, first time in, what, over a year? Uh, probably see him in some special packages uh, trying to get after Daniel Jones. I don't see them using him on the back end. Jamal Jamal's Adams, probably – he's, he's an edge rusher now. You know that? Yeah, J- Jamal's probably, when he comes back to MetLife Stadium, he's probably going to expect that there should be a statue of him outside of the, uh, <laughs> of the stadium. You know, because he's the president of his own fan club, of course. Maybe he's the one who told Namath to say what he did. Mm. What do Maybe. you think? Maybe. He could have he been the, the one that, yeah. Little yeah. prodding from Jamal Adams to try to get back at his old team. You never know, right? You never know. <laughs> Oh, it uh, only gets better. Yeah. It only gets better. Jordan, great stuff as always. Glad you're back on the East Coast, Man. and uh, we'll see you soon, buddy. You brought up October 29th. Here's the what we need to avoid, okay? Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that by October 29th, which is pre-Halloween when the Jets mm-hmm. and Giants play. Pre-trade we're deadline. Not at, we're not looking. We cannot have in New York football both these seasons basically being over. And having I, no meaningful football for November, December, like we have, we 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 have, we have, you're crossing your fingers right now and hoping that doesn't happen. Let me see. The Giants have all right. So the Giants have that one extra game than the Jets do because they don't have the bye yet. So the Giants will have seven games before the bye. Um, do they get? To, I mean, if they lose to Seattle, for I mean, come uh, on, forget. That's why if you could beat. 
if you could beat Seattle, the Giants could get to three and four at least by that Jets game. That's fine. That's at right? least salvageable. You, we, we could pretend that the season's not over at three and four, no problem. No, of course not. Yeah, that's that's a season. I mean, and yeah. on the flip side, you know, Jets are still holding out hope that somehow they could get to three and three before the bye and go into the bye uh, 500. Good luck. And we'll see. It all starts Sunday night. I hear the Chiefs might be pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah, Jordan. Hey, regardless, I'll see you on the 29th because Buttle and I are going to be in the building for that one. So I'm sure I'll see you that day. Let's go. I'm in. All right. That's right, baby. All right, Jordan, we'll talk to you next week. Look forward to it. All All right, right, buddy. Speak to you then. Be good. Bye. There's Jordan Renan, covers the Giants for us here at ESPN. First series of the game for the Detroit Lions. How about that? Jared Goff picked off. Packers are in business inside the Lions 20-yard line early on at Lambeau Field. We'll keep our eyes on that one. When we come back, your phone calls at 800-919-3776. We'll also bring a little baseball back into the conversation. We touched on a little bit earlier and single out some of the superlatives that we've seen in New York this year, despite the fact two teams have left a lot to be desired. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Packers out to a 3-0 lead over the Detroit Lions on Thursday Night Football very early in that first quarter. Good job by the Lion defense after Goff throws the INT. They hold to only three points. Aiden Hutchinson with a big sack of Jordan Love on third down to force the Packers into that trifecta. Yankees are going about their business tonight, trying to see if they can continue to play spoiler. They're losing to the Toronto Blue Jays 2-0 in the fifth inning. We know Toronto, of course, trying to cement away a wild card spot right now. They're currently sitting in that second wild card spot in the American League. Uh, Tampa Bay is, you know, wrapped up the number one spot. Well, they have a shot to still win the division, but the best Toronto could hope for would be the number two wild card. Then you got those teams in the American League West that are going to be vying for that. But last night, look, Garrett Cole was spectacular. Complete game two hitter for the New York Yankees, and he's going to win himself a Cy Young Award. And, you know, I've said it often. I almost think that, like, Garrett Cole is underappreciated by the Yankee fan for what he's done for them since he's been here. You know, Cole has been a guy that, for better or for worse, and I know he's getting paid a lot of money. I get it. But Cole's a guy that takes the ball. You don't have to worry about him ever being injured. You could count on him. The guy is going to make his 30 starts every single year. 
I mean, think about back-to-back 200-inning seasons, right? I mean, that's I, – I, I know you sit there and say, well, it's 200. Yeah, I get it. But now in 2023, when you're talking about starting pitchers and the way that they're controlled and regulated, you know, guys don't throw 200 innings anymore. So that's almost like the benchmark for a true workhorse in today's game. And he's checked those boxes in each of the last couple of years. Any type of metric you want to come up with, the guy has been locked down rock solid. Now, I understand that he hasn't pitched the Yankees to a World Series. And I know that, you know, at times he's had some problems with the Boston Red Sox playoffs a couple years ago. I I get all that stuff when he was dealing with the hammy. But if you want consistency... And if you want somebody that you don't have to worry about once every five days to take the baseball and is going to give you a damn good outing, and more often than not, you're going to feel good about your chances of winning a game, to be in that stopper, even if you face a little bit of adversity, he is that guy. And the Yankees are lucky to have him, and they're lucky to have him for a good number of years. Now, what's interesting about it, Cole's 32 years of age. In a couple of seasons... He, or after next year, he can opt out of his contract. Now, he's set, to make thir- he's set to make $36 million a year through 2028. Okay, so let's just say he goes out and has another really good season next year. So he would essentially be giving up, let's see, 66, 72, $144 million over the final four years. If he opts out and becomes a free agent at the age of 34, He's going to get a contract, if he, as long as he remains healthy, he's going to get a contract north of $144 million. So you know that that's going to have to come a time when the Yankees might have to open up the checkbook to bring this guy back. And even though it might be not exactly the best business of giving a quarterback, or excuse me, a starting pitcher that type of money at that age, you got to do it. It's almost a scenario the Yankees were faced once upon a time with CC Sabathia when he opted out. But you know what? Even though he was approaching the back nine of his career, you still had to do it. Because what were your alternatives? And you know what? That's a good problem to have. If that's a scenario the Yankees are faced with 12 months from now, that means that he went out there and had himself another all-star Cy Young caliber season. And you just hope that the rest of the ball club will fall in line. And you might be playing October baseball. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. So last night against the Blue Jays, and then the Yankees are going to close out the season in Kansas City against the Royals, who are are playing for absolutely nothing. So that's going to be one of those tough series over the final three days that, you know, a couple of teams who are just waiting for the offseason to get here. Let's say hi to Lonnie in Harlem. He is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Lonnie, how you doing? May Quimby, how you doing? Joe Leo, Sir Harvey, how you doing? Shout out to the company. Shout out Downtown TV, of course. Uh, man, Quimby, Dan, I really only called in because, uh, your, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the lost ring metaphor <laughs> call had me, uh, Dan, when you do stuff like that, you already know I've told you this a million times, but when you do stuff like that, cause the call went off the rails, I don't know what that man was talking about, right? but, um, you always find a way to, to bring your listeners back in and that right there besides Harvey being a hack and dropping the music, it was perfect. Like, Why is he being a hack? That The music was great. The music added something to it. No, no, no. He dropped the music, meaning like you was going on and the music oh. just disappeared. Harvey oh. has a, 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 
there's a tendency to do that. The one thing he knows how to press is that bad button. I swear he loves that that buzzer. But other than that, like I just really wanted to call in and say that Dan, obviously, you know, great interview with Jordan right now and just now. Um, hopefully the Giants can go out to Seattle and uh do some what well actually uh actually Seattle's coming in, so hopefully they could, you know, defend home field because we need this win. Can't go down one because if, you know, that happens, obviously the season is a mush. But um yeah, I just yeah, you don't want to that. call in and say thank you for that, Dan, because, you know, it, I don't know. I don't know. People like me, you know, I know I find it to be funny, and I'm pretty sure other people do, but you, I I, I told this to, um, to Larry and Gordon when I seen them on Sunday. It's like, y'all don't understand. When y'all do stuff like that and y'all, make, and y'all laughing, y'all got to realize y'all make other people laughing too. So I just always want to call in and thank y'all for that because sports in this town hasn't been the greatest for us. So, like I always tell y'all, the host always y- y'all gotta be the reasons why we right. you know put a smile on. And I just really gotta laugh. For that. Hopefully the Liberty, hopefully the Liberty could win tomorrow too, so we can go up two one. All right, Dan, there have a go. good night. Lonnie, you'll be good as always. Appreciate the kind words. Yeah, maybe you know I don't know if we do that. We could maybe find a way to post just that little clip. I don't know how we do that instead of so people don't yes, have to dive into the do podcast. That. that was hilarious. Right? Please, please. We'll, I, we'll, I know it's gonna be on the podcast, but. Like, yeah, so people don't have to go searching for it. Yeah, maybe we'll, you know, right. we could do that. We could clip just that one right. thing, and then we could post it someplace. Yeah, for sure. We'll 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 send that also, out. Also, yeah. I was uh, before I get off. You know, sorry to take up time. I was telling Joe Leo now that the basketball season's coming up. You know what I'm at. You know what I'm a need from you, right? What's that? I'm a need sleepless in Serbia when uh, Joker's Jokic <laughs> goes crazy. I need that, Dan. I need sleepless in Serbia, man. That was hilarious. I f- see, Lonnie. I forgot about that. Even I'm glad you reminded me. I don't see, think, that's, that's I don't good forget for nothing, Dan. I don't forget nothing, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, if I hear it or I see it, it's stored in my brain. So that's all. Awesome. that, y'all. Lonnie, you'll be good. Yeah, we, we got to bring back. We'll bring back sleepless in Serbia. Sure. You know, once Denver starts doing their thing and, and Jokic, and for sure. Absolutely. Those were funny. I'm, I, and I had forgotten about that because that was during the, the postseason and the playoffs and Denver was going on their uh, championship run. We'll bring all those back, and we got to freshen them up. Got to freshen them up, too. 800-919-3776. More of your phone calls. And also when we come back, there were a couple of Mets that had a really good season as well. And also – I know I've been teasing this for a couple of days. We just always seem to run out of time. We're not going to run out of time tonight. You're going to hear from a former Met who weighed in on the state of affairs with some of those rumblings that were being bantied about regarding the clubhouse and the chemistry and see what he had to say about it. Gross until 9, ready around 98.7 ESPN. Tonight on Episode 2 of Sleepless in Serbia, Nicola and Natalia go shopping for a new mattress. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, before we get back to the calls, you know, a little on the Mets. They're trying to put a dent in the Marlins playoff hopes right now because 
They're finishing up this series at City Field, and the Marlins and the Cubbies are tied for the third and final wild card spot in the National League right now as we speak. So the Mets are trying to see if they can take this series tonight, take the rubber match. Uh, but last night, Francisco Lindor joined the 30-30 club, which, forget about being rarefied air. It's rarefied air in the history of the Mets franchise because there's only been a few guys in the history of the New York Mets that have ever joined that club. Daryl Strawberry, David Wright, Howard Johnson did it three times. Hojo was so underrated, too. You know, I always say, the thing I always say about Hojo is that, you know, there were bigger names on the Mets for a couple of those years, Daryl Strawberry and the like or whatever, and, and Hojo just went out there and did his thing, and he had three, like, really, really big seasons, and then he was kind of like in that in-between, right? He started really, like, peaking when that championship core from 86 was starting to wind down and they were starting to break apart and, you know, those other teams never really won, and it was kind of like the beginning of the franchise going in a different direction there. So I think, you know, Hojo kind of somehow gets overlooked, but he was a really, really good Met, and I'm glad he got into the uh, the Mets Hall of Fame. They put him in there um, over the summertime there. So, yeah, Francisco Lindor is now part of the 30-30 club in Mets history, which is great for what he did this year. He's one of the most productive shortstops in all of Major League Baseball, and you hope that that continues again next season. I mentioned Kodai Senga wrapping up his rookie season here in North America. Over 200 strikeouts, only the second Met rookie pitcher to do that behind Doc, who obviously was a lot more impressive, and Doc was a teenager when he struck out 276 guys in uh, 1984, which is still just astounding at how dominant a player that he was. But I, I had been teasing the last couple of days how there was a former Met, Mark Canna. And Mark Canna has actually done a real nice job since getting traded over to Milwaukee. You know, he's gotten some big hits for that team, walk-off hits and, and the like, and helped them win the National League Central Division. Wouldn't it be something if, like, Mark Canna goes on a crazy October run and helps the Brewers get all the way to the World Series? But Canna was on the show podcast, which is hosted by John Heyman and Joel Sherman over at the, the New York Post. And remember, one of the things that kind of made some waves uh, over the last couple of weeks with the Mets was Tommy Pham, who's now with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And Tommy Pham did an interview saying that, or, you know, it was kind of brought to light how Tommy Pham had made mention how during his time with the Mets, he had never been around a group of everyday position players that did not work as hard as what this current Mets group did. So Mark Hanna was asked about those Tommy Pham comments because, after all, if Mark Hanna was once upon a time part of that group, what did he have to think about his former teammates' words? It doesn't surprise me, really, that Tommy said that. Just not, not because I feel the same way, but because of Tommy, the way that Tommy works specifically. And I think you talking about, like, other players and work ethics and stuff like that, everybody kind of, when you get to the big leagues, everybody does their own thing to a certain extent. And everybody has their own routine and, and what works for them. And, the, and a lot of, especially on a veteran team, a lot of players have that routine kind of down pat and they know what works for them. Tommy hits and works and does like physical activity a lot more. <laughs> His workload that he puts on himself on a daily basis is just significantly more than anybody else on the team. Well, look, he's Tommy's one of these guys. He's well-traveled, as we all know. 
And, you know, sometimes that intensity is kind of mistaken for other things. But Buck Showalter had wonderful things to say about him. Uh, a lot of guys in that locker room went on record and had a lot of things to say about him. And you know what? If, if, if he wasn't as advertised, I don't think Arizona would have taken a flyer to try to bring him over to help them make that playoff push to get to the postseason. Remember, when Tommy Pham was traded away, he was their most consistent hitter. He was actually having a really, really good season for this Met team. And a guy who was supposed to be like a fourth outfielder, if you will. But then also Pete Alonzo and all these rumblings that have been circulating about whether or not he is really a good guy in the clubhouse. And what about his future with the Mets? And will he be traded and move during the offseason? Here was Mark Canna discussing Pete Alonzo and saying he ain't the problem. It'd be hard to imagine, isn't it? He kind of feels like such a New York guy and so all in on the Mets. And it, I love playing with Pete, saying that he's a problem in the clubhouse couldn't be further from the truth. I could say like, oh, well, everyone has their own opinion. But I, I honestly can't imagine how anyone would come to that conclusion that Pete's a problem in the clubhouse. I think it's the opposite of that. <laughs> I think Pete is kind of a big part of the identity of the New York Mets, not to mention, you know, world class perennial power hitting first baseman that, that doesn't come around very often and uh, one of the best hitters I've ever seen in my life so yeah whatever they decide you know Pete's gonna end up somewhere it's just gonna be a matter of who wants him and Pete's an amazing human an amazing baseball player and leave the the, the man out of it He's one of the best baseball players I've ever seen so there you go take it from a guy who was behind those walls you know, who went in areas the media could not be, probably closer to the situation than most, and his opinion, Pete Alonso's a guy the Mets should keep and not look to move. I mean, the production alone, I mean, can you imagine the Mets without Pete Alonso? Where are they going to replace that type of production and those numbers and that power? Now, it hasn't translated into the win column, granted. That's quite obvious. But given his popularity, given what he means to the team, the fans, everything, it's hard to think about the Mets and not having that guy right be in the middle of it because, after all, you're talking about one of the faces, if not the face of the franchise. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. Jimmy in Long Island, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Jimmy, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, Jim. What's going on? Yeah, I want to just talk about, you know, this Zach Wilson thing a little bit. Yep. And and it really, you know, when when at least the way I look at it, it's a special circumstance, uh, special set of circumstances that led us to this. I mean, Woody said he was bringing in a veteran quarterback. If they had brought in Derek Carr, uh, you know, Zach's career was over. I mean, he was going to be a veteran quarterback that was going to be there for a while. But, the, you know, the circumstance was that suddenly Rodgers became available, and uh, they were talking about one year, maybe two. And I think that, you know, they were thinking Super Bowl, of course, and, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers. And then I think they got caught up, caught up with the idea, this giddy idea that they could fix Zach Wilson in the interim. And that's, that's where they went from a team that was looking for that Super Bowl one year um, and kind of lost sight of the fact that if Zach Wilson came in, those dreams were probably over. You needed a bet. At March 14th, they should have went uh, for a bet. There was a great call the other night on ESPN radio where the guy had talked about how he felt sorry for Zach and, uh, and also that they should have made him a third string quarterback and given up mm -hmm. the draft, uh, given up the, um, 
you know, uh, the, the slot for having a third string quarterback. So the circumstances are they they just didn't you know they didn't read the tea leaves right because if you look at the Zach's if you look at Zach's twenty twos, you know it's not going to matter if he throws or flings the ball down there. He can't make his reads. He's either too slow or he just can't make them. Because if you if you really look at those 22s, he is missing everything. I mean, it's very rare that he gets somebody in sight. He does have the arm, all of that, but he doesn't have the head for it. So my question to you is that mistake has been made. I'm worried about the team. I'm worried mm-hmm. about the, you know, the psyche of this club. So I have... I have good feelings that if they get uh, Simeon in shape uh, in within a few weeks, probably you know uh, you know after the Broncos, because I I don't think we can win the Kansas City game with this guy at quarterback. I don't think we can even win the Broncos game, but I think we have a good team. I, I really think that the Jets have a pretty solid staff, and they just bought into this whole notion of Zach, or at least they said they bought into it. That's where they made the big mistake. They well, needed well, Jim, a real Jim, backup quarterback. Jim, you know what the, the issue is, and I, th- and I thank you for the phone call. Remember, rewind back to the summer, all right, when we had all those months in between trying to figure out if the Yankees were ever going to turn it around, if the Mets were going to turn it around, if we were starting to glance ahead to football, and in regards to the Jets, what were we talking about? You looked at the schedule, and you looked at the first six games of the season. And that was even with Aaron Rodgers, right? You thought he was going to be the quarterback. And we said, boy, they still, if they broke even, you would take it because those were going to be some tough games. So now you take away Aaron Rodgers, and it doesn't change the fact that they're still tough games. They might be even tougher, right? I mean, even with Aaron Rodgers, Kansas City coming into your building on Sunday night. You might have looked at it and said, boy, I don't know if the Jets. I mean, Kansas City might still be favored in that game if Rodgers was the quarterback. Who knows? And you had your doomsday scenario four plays into the season where he gets hurt. And that's tough to plan for. And you're not going to get anybody who would have been able to fill the shoes even close to as capably as Aaron Rodgers and what he brings to the team. There are, There are, as I said to somebody today, There are about three or four guys in this sport that play the position that there are no replacements. You know, you can't just stick somebody else in there and expect everything to be A-OK. Doesn't work that way. He's one of those three, four guys, unfortunately. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. We'll close it out with you on the phones. Also, some interesting things still emanating from the Dame Lillard blockbuster. That happened yesterday, sending him from Portland to the Milwaukee Bucks. Dag Ross's show till the top right here on 9870 ESPN. Where you're going as a couple, as a relationship, and more importantly, the ring. And hopefully that ring will be found, at least in time for next season. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Remember, Football Friday show tomorrow, because it's Friday and we talk about football. That's right. Right after TMKS at 6.30, same time as usual. Buttle's going to be joining us for his weekly spot on the Jets. We'll do our picks. We'll preview all the games. Um, You know, that trade yesterday in the NBA, still sending shockwaves across the association. And an interesting story by Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report, who kind of chronicled 
how things all fell apart over the last year between Dame Lillard and the Blazers organization and this little excerpt uh, that's been pointed out. According to sources, Portland had asked Lillard to sit out the final 10 games of the 2022-23 regular season to help the franchise improve its lottery odds. He was told the higher the draft pick, the better chance they had at using the pick to facilitate a trade for a proven veteran player. He reluctantly acquiesced to being shut down, citing a calf injury. So a couple of things in that. Number one, you know that something like that probably takes place quite frequently, not just in the NBA, but probably in all sports. And we don't really hear the truth about it. You know, so you take all those things with a grain of salt. The other thing was, remember, we thought, all right, if they really wanted to keep Dame, they would go ahead and move the pick, get themselves a proven player that can help them win ASAP. Instead, they kept the pick. They drafted Scoot Henderson. And once that happened, you kind of figured, yeah, eventually Dame's time in Portland will probably be coming to an end. And it did yesterday. And look, I think personally, the Knicks kind of come off as somewhat of a winner in this, right? Because A, Miami continues to get weaker, even though Dame wasn't on Miami yet, but people thought that's where he was going. So the fact that he didn't go to Miami, fine. Milwaukee was already better than the Knicks, right? They were better. And then furthermore, if you look at Milwaukee getting even stronger, look at a team like Philadelphia. And look at the Joel Embiid situation and how when he stands by and kind of is already maybe a little uncertain about what the future of the organization is going to be, now you got the Bucks who are even stronger standing in his chances of maybe winning a championship. Is Joel Embiid going to be faced with a situation here? Or are we going to be talking about him? You know, you, you, you turn on Twitter and then you see uh, Adrian Wojnarowski talking about, yeah, Joel Embiid has asked for a trade from the Philadelphia 76ers. Like the next Woj bomb for that to happen, right? Let us close it out with David in the car. He's going to be next up here on 98.7 ESPN. David, how are you? Hey, good evening. Thanks for having me on. What's up, Dave? Um, you know... <clears throat> I'm looking at the Jets season right now and wondering, you know, I, I personally would like to hear from the ownership. I know that's a tall ask mm-hmm. uh, because we're getting a lot of tap dancing by the Sala and everybody else in the organization, even the players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a Chiefs blowout might do that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up something historical with you, see if you remember it, and, and yep. it's what I fear the most with the Jets implosion. Don Nelson was coaching the Knicks. Mm-hmm. The players didn't like Don Nelson's style. Mm-hmm. The Clippers come into the Garden, probably with maybe three or four games under their belt, maybe six. Mm-hmm. They obliterated the Knicks. Basically, mm-hmm. the Knicks players laid down. The next day, Don Nelson was fired. I remember that, and Jeff Van Gundy took over. I remember that 100%, but I don't think that the same thing is going to happen here with the Jets. Who are you gonna, who, who's going to be the coach? Nobody's getting fired four games into the season. Nobody is. 